Welcome back to another episode of Be Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. It is time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Well, welcome back, everyone. It is so great to be back here again this week and uh, ready to talk to you about some new things going prosthetic. And uh, I thought today, being episode 21, let's delve into kind of a prosthetics 101. But before we start, I want to tell you that I'm so excited that after about four weeks plus I think we're finally moved into our home. I'm so excited. I spent the morning getting everything hung in my room. And um, one of these days, I'll give you a little tour of what everything's looking like. But um, the only thing I haven't done yet is I have not gotten a new chair for myself. I am literally sitting on a ball, one of those big um, exercise balls, which supposedly is supposed to be great for core support. And... um, and everything um, while you're at your desk Um, but when you only have one leg it's kind of fun to to try to get on and get your leg over it and not roll backwards because if i roll backwards you can if you're watching this on youtube you can see uh, my wall is right behind me i'd probably end up smacking my head so hopefully that won't happen Um, but if something were to happen uh just you know hold your breath and and cross your fingers and pray that nothing happens to me But anyways, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, I had a a great talk with my prosthetist yesterday and, um, you know, I was in there. um, If you'd been following any of my social media, like I'm on Facebook under Angie Huser and my last name is H-E-U-S-E-R and I'm on Instagram, um, also Angie Huser, but also as BA Warrior 360. Facebook also has a BA Warrior 360 group and a private female group um, for those that want support from other females and, and everything. But there is um, a more public um, Facebook uh, page of mine where it's not about like my boys, my family, and everything, where I, I'll be posting more and more as I get into um, uh, the things I want to be doing in, in the in the long run in the future now that we've moved and um, this year will be really new for me I won't be homeschooling my kids anymore I've got a sophomore in college who at senior year went full-time in high school to get ready for college and my younger son is a senior this year so he's going full-time so this summer was full of change for me and uh, change I have learned to just roll with the punches because all my life and everyone's life is just change. Every day is change, whether it's the weather, whether it's for us uh, with prosthetics, our fit, um, with jobs, with relationships, and just new chapters beginning and and old chapters coming to a close. And um, instead of trying to fight it, you know, I'm trying to learn how to roll with those punches. And this one was a big gut punch, a heart punch for me. Um, Homeschooling my kids um, from first grade and third grade respectively on through junior year in high school was no easy task, but it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life. And people will say, oh, I don't have patience for that. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I have no patience with my own kids. Now, I was a middle school teacher prior to being a mom. And I have patience with everybody else's kids, but not my own. And so if you are even listening to this and thinking you might homeschool, please don't think that you can't because you don't have patience. Um, parents, you're your best, your kid's best teacher because you get to be with them. You get to expose them to whatever you want to expose them to and also cater to their um, strengths and weaknesses much better. I mean, this is talking as a a teacher in a classroom. I know this being a teacher, a parent, a student, I've been it all, right? And um, so don't be afraid uh, to, to give it a try if that's your, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. But it, it is not for the faint of heart and it does take time and practice and 
sometimes some wine <laughs> to get through the nights. But that's a whole nother topic. We're not even on the right topic for today. Anyways, I was telling you, I was at my prosthetist office yesterday because the last couple weeks, well, I shouldn't say that, the last few months, if you are an amputee or you know someone who is, or you kind of get the idea you're in the field or whatever, you'll know that um, getting a, a new fitting or when it's time to get a new socket, and I, like I said, usually when I talk, I talk about legs just because I, I know legs. I do know some people that are missing hands and I'm sorry, I can't speak to that. So I don't try. So whenever I'm speaking, I'm really only speaking about legs and I am an upper um, above knee amputee. So a lot of times I even speak to that because below knee and, and above knee are very, very different beasts. I'm missing two joints which makes walking a little bit different. The mechanics need to be, it is, there's a lot to it. Anyway, several months ago, I realized that my leg really wasn't fitting the way I wanted to, to do the things that I do, which is a lot of exercise, being outside, hiking especially. And when you hike in Arizona in the summer, um, you sweat a lot and you put on a black or dark plastic cover over part of your leg. And the next thing you know, you are slipping out of your um, limb and that's not good when you're going downhill or uphill for that matter but downhill especially um, and so I noticed that I wasn't feeling right um, it doesn't take much as an amputee to see when things don't feel right to, to know it and to realize where you're going with this likewise there's times when I know I'm really swollen and I can't get it on and it scares me because I'm thinking, oh great, did I gain like five pounds last night in sleep, in my sleep? But really it becomes a, a, a matter of if I've um, sw swelled up or whatever. And sometimes that happens when you exercise without it on and then try to put it on. But anyways, I have been going through a process. Um, I have learned patience over the years that my process right now, I, I just, I enjoy the moment and I don't push it. Um, you know that it's a saying where, you know, you, you don't know how good you have it until it's gone. <laughs> and yes, when your prosthetic is not fitting right, it's a horrible feeling. And I used to get really excited about the prospect of the new socket, but the learning curve and the um, getting used to it curve is exhausting <laughs> so when you get a new prosthetic you put it on and you think it's gonna be great in the first few steps you're like oh it's nice it's snug it fits great and then you go and start doing life and then you're like oh my gosh it's rubbing on my butt it's rubbing in my my groin i'm rubbing raw at the end of my stump um i'm hitting a spot that i wasn't hitting with my other one i mean there are a plethora of things that could go wrong a lot of it literally is just a learning curve and you suck it up buttercup and you move forward. But then you have to also know your body well enough to know when you have to call your prosthetist and say, hey, I need to see you, there's something wrong. Even the smallest, tiniest baby seam inside your uh, liner, that little bit of an edge can rub you so raw. It's kind of like getting a little tiny stone in your foot, but it feels like a boulder after walking on it for a while same concept here just think of this as putting a shoe on and when you put a brand new shoe on and decide you're going to go run a marathon uh, you're going to be struggling with rubbing raw and things not feeling great it's the same thing for us because you know what when i get my new prosthetic i don't baby it i like i put it on and i'm going and i'm like hitting the grocery store going to costco i'm doing it all as if i hadn't changed anything and i usually pay the price and then i deal with it the next day i just I grin and bear it, throw on my leg, and I go about it and until my body creates the endorphins and stuff to just kind of soothe the pain on its own. Well, anyways, I'm, I'm here to talk to you today about the Prosthetics 101 because as I was talking to my prosthetist last night, we were going through the final adjustments on my test socket which was a joy last week. If you look at my YouTube videos, I posted a very raw video about how hard I uh, of a day I had last week. It was probably one of my most emotionally and physically draining days I'd had in two years of being an uh, amputee. 
because it was, um, I couldn't get my test socket off. It was, um, I, I mean, I was in full on sweats, sweating and tears dripping down my face. I was struggling 15, 20 minutes where it didn't budge. And um, I did that two times because I'm not the kind of person that says, well, it won't come off. I better not put it back on again. I'm like, well, I put it on wrong the first time. Let's not do it wrong the second time. And I put it back on. And the second time I put it on wrong again. And when I say I put it on wrong, when you have a new socket, this is not like I always think of Legos when I think of this. It isn't one of those snap in and, and go because I am um, I'm a skin fit um, socket, which basically says... I am skin right inside my socket. A lot of people out there, a lot of amputees wear a liner and uh, the good old days of a liner or they have a pin that actually does snap into place in the bottom from a liner, but they're not skin fit. I'm skin fit, which means I kind of put a bag on my leg, push my leg into my socket and there's a hole at the bottom of my valve. I take my valve out pull the bag through and I literally every morning drag my bag through that and I'm pulling all my skin down inside of my socket. Once it's out, I carefully put the valve back on the bottom and I'm off and running. So um, you put that on, if your toe is turned in a little or turned out a little, you will notice even a small degree of it being off will help uh, will we'll make you so that you just, you know, it's not right. Um, you can't walk right. You get a wobble with your foot because the knee joint isn't in the proper place. It is crazy how the smallest difference on how you put it on makes the biggest difference when you walk. So, and then once you get used to it, you, you figure it out and you know, but when it's a test socket, my body was trying to figure out how it fit because it's, it's got a mold to it, right? My leg is really fluid now. It's really kind of, I hate it. Um, you know, I got a right leg that's really strong because it's been working really hard to support me. And my left leg is like complete atrophy, no muscle, just the, you can feel the tendon and, and it's, you can feel the bone. It's just, it's crazy. I would have thought my femur bone was much bigger than it is, but it's not. Anyway, so that was, that was this last week. And if you look at my YouTube channel, you'll see me talking about it. I just, it was, it was, um, a very hard day for me. And it really, it beat me down pretty hard. Once I got it on, I did it three times, believe it or not. It took me about 45 minutes to get my leg on and off. Most of that was trying to get it off. Takes me seconds to put it on. Um, by the time I was done, I was physically drained. My body was hurting. Um, and my emotions were shot. Like I haven't had a good cry like that in a long time. So I will tell you that it's not always roses. I, I saw someone post the other day that they are um, sick of not being active and they are thinking that amputation's the right path. And I'm like, wow, this person sounds like me. And her question was, will it make things better? And that's a double-edged sword question. You can't really ask people that because everyone has their own journey and everyone heals differently. I don't have a diabetes or anything or any autoimmune deficiency problems or infection, high infection rates. I am, I healed great, but it isn't all roses. Like there's a lot of sucking up you do just to manage day to day, but I am active. So you have to decide what kind of pain level you can handle because just because you cut it off, doesn't mean the journey is over. It is a full-on journey of ups and downs, mountains and valleys, good times, bad times, tears and laughter. It is just like life. There's nothing different about it. It's just what life is. So you can't just kind of tell someone, yeah, you'll be better. Um, that's my perspective, but you could be worse. You may not be able to handle what I handle. I don't know. Maybe it'll be worse for you. Maybe you won't heal correctly. And as I was talking to my prosthetist about these things, we realized that, you know, his job is hard. My guy is amazing. Randy West, you're the best at the Limb Center in, in Phoenix, Arcadia neighborhood. Um, I drive now 45 minutes to see him, but I'm never rushed. Um, I'm always listened to. We make tons of changes and and he's artistic. So to, yesterday I took him auto paint 
that I want this one to look like. I still have to make my decals, but he's got the design ideas that I'm telling him and he'll go home and he'll spray paint and do his thing. I'm so excited. Um, just a little more pizzazz. I like the sparkle. I like the shine. So that's what I go with. But we were talking about how everybody's journey is different. And I'm an easier person that comes in because I'm optimistic about it. And I know that there's hard times and I know that it's going to be tough at times. And I also know that if I don't laugh through it, I could cry. And so he and I started talking and I did have him and his assistant, David, who is also an above knee amputee on during April um, in Limb Loss Awareness Month as guest speakers. And I'm going to have them back on again because I want you all to hear um, different avenues and a prosthetist's um, side of it when it comes to doing the best he can and realized that even when you have someone that does the best they can, one of the biggest complaints we hear is that people think that when their prosthetist says, well, that's as good as it gets, you're just going to have to deal with it, that that isn't really an appropriate answer when your life and your livelihood and your happiness are at stake. And sometimes you get a prosthetist that it's their job. They have appointment at one, they have an appointment at two, they have an appointment at three, you are an appointment. And I will tell people a thousand times over, that isn't the place you wanna be. You have to not be a number or an appointment time. You need to be the person they're dealing with who wants to see you succeed in life. That's the reason they do the job. That's the reason they should be doing their job and why they became a prosthetist in the first place. So with that being said, you know, sometimes it's not clear cut. I mean, there's times where I have to say, you know what, I know Randy in his heart has done everything he can. When he texts me in the evening and says, hey, I had an idea, why don't you come in? I know he's not just thinking of my appointment as an appointment and a person that he has to check off his list of to-dos that day, but that he really cares about something. He like takes his work home with him and he actually really, really is heartfelt about how he um, fits you. And, and there are times where I'm really hard, like we can't figure out what this problem is. And now I'm hitting a point on my knee, my, and I say my knee, um, it is literally, I feel like someone is hitting my knee with a hammer when I walk and I don't have a knee. I'm above the knee and I am like several inches above the knee. But that nerve that would have curved over my knee feels like it's getting hit repeatedly inside my socket. So it's really weird. I don't feel the bruising when my socket's off, but it's there. So I don't know if it's an, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's really, really hard to explain. That's a whole nother episode. But I thought what would be really neat is I know most of you are listening, but if you get a chance to see this up on iTunes, cause I am videotaping, um, I wanted to show you some of my sockets and where I've been. And it amazes me on how huge the first few are. I don't even have my first one. I think this one here was my second one. And when I see how big it is, <laughs> this was my second one. Okay, this is huge. Yeah, that's the second one that I had made, I believe. There's the valve. It's a one-way valve. So when I press the button in it, it lets air out. And that's how I can pull my leg out. But if it's really tough, or in, if this one wasn't a skin fit, this was a, um, a socket, you can take the whole valve out and then you have a hole. That's what I have to do now with my skin fit. The bag comes through that hole and I pull it through. The bag is kind of like, um, like a ripstop material and it's kind of slick and it's folded within itself. Now I told you that they were um, liners. So I use a liner and when you do a liner, you actually have to um, take the liner. And this is where I think most amputees start is with um, a liner in their socket. And so you actually turn it inside out and then you put this part on the end of your residual limb and push it until it's it glides up your leg until it's this way. And 
this ring here actually helps it stay in place. It gives like a little bit of a ring here. And the kicker with this kind of thing is A, you get two, and they're really expensive, like $500 each. And you have to wash them every night because you sweat in them and it's kind of gross. And you don't, especially if you have um, an infection issue, you don't want to have anything rip open of um, a sore because you get, you'll get rubbed, you'll rub wrong and you'll get sores. You don't want an infection. So you need to wash that out every night and let it dry overnight. But the other thing is, is if it stops fitting right, um, the only thing that you really can do are adding sleeves. And this is where I had two of them and they're different thicknesses. And you would have to put a sleeve on over that, then put your socket on and then you'd say oh it's still too loose then you take it off and you'd add another sleeve and then there was times i think there's like a, a size one three and five five being the thickest ply you'd be surprised at the math you do you're like okay three's not enough five's too much so i need to do a three and a one <laughs> um i'll tell you what that first week of having my socket and everything as much as i was so excited to have it and my leg and everything I sat, I remember sitting in the shower that first week and going, this is the rest of my life. I have to wash these every single shower and every day. Like no missing showers because the easiest way to do it is wash it while you're in the shower. And I have to deal with these things every single time I start to shrink out. Because if you shrink too quickly like I did, insurance only covers so many sockets in a certain amount of time. And you have to have documentation that you're actually, like I lost a ton of weight. And so you can tell by that socket that, you know, I changed drastically compared to what I'm in now. I mean, the one I'm in now is like this thin and the one I'm getting is even a little bit smaller. So, you know, you atrophy a lot. And if you lose weight because you're finally active, you do a lot of changing. The one thing that people don't realize, and if you're an amputee, a new amputee, or going to become an amputee, or you support someone who's an amputee, you need to understand that change is inevitable, and every day is change. Example, for me, I lost like 50-some pounds in the process of becoming an amputee, and that's not counting the 10 pounds of lost leg I literally got cut off. Um and then if you're lucky enough to get active, well, even the first four weeks, five weeks that you're on crutches waiting for your um, incision to heal and the stitches to be pulled out or the staples to be pulled out and you're on crutches, you're working really, really hard. If you are an active person, me, nothing stopped me because I'd been on crutches for like seven years prior because of all my surgeries. So I was burning calories so much faster. So I was taking weight off. Also, remember with surgery, any surgery, you swell. You know, your body's had trauma to it. There's staples, there's stitches, whatever. There is swelling. So the first few weeks, your swelling does go down, but you'd be surprised how much water is retained within that area. Um, once you start wearing a socket, it kind of flushes it out of your body. Um, because it has no place else to go. It doesn't just sit in the bottom and pool like it would normally standing up. It's flushed out. So you're going to change every day. And then the thing I didn't realize that I learned from um, David was if he drinks too much the night before, not that he does, right, David? Not at all. Or salty foods. You know, women, we understand this water weight, you drink too much, or you have a lot of salty foods, you know, God forbid you go to a taco bar and have chips, salsa, and tequila, and, and margaritas, you might not fit in your socket the next day, and I remember David telling me that, and I was like, oh, please, and there was one day I had where I was like, oh, this is tighter, and you know, I was like, I weighed myself, and I was still about the same, but I was like, no way, and I realized that I had chips and salsa, you know, real salty chips, you know, like the kind from Chili's, oh, my favorite. And, you know, you have a beer or two and the sodium contents in anything you're drinking and eating actually makes you change. So you've got to remember that. So if you're not fitting, you know, sometimes it has nothing to do with your prosthetist and how hard he has worked to get you to fit right. Sometimes it's your diet. And I don't mean because you're not eating well, you're gaining weight. I mean, like 
If you just ate the wrong foods and you have water retention the next day, you're going to struggle. And so that plays into factor. Uh, the one really bad day that I had that I didn't realize and it took me some st- stopping, thinking, pondering what was going on was when we were skiing in December, I don't ski with my leg on. I ski mono ski, like a single ski without riggers. And that was the day that I had some kid literally take me out from behind. Uh, my biggest fear was realized. Everything was going great. No one's on the slopes. And someone came out of nowhere at 100 miles an hour, I swear to God, and just took me out right in front of a ski patrol too. Um, so anyways, um, finished the rest of the day, did all that skiing, really just worked up a massive sweat and everything. After we got down, I thought, okay, I'm going to get a shower and we're going to go out for a nice dinner before we head home the next day. Not even thinking that, A, I landed on my residual limb when I got taken out by that other skier. And I'd also been exercising, standing up with my residual limb draining, like gravity pulling down fluids and, you know, all that. I went to put my leg on and it was the most excruciating pain. At first, it took me like seven tries and that never happens. Bag in, on, nope, didn't feel right. Did it several times. Finally got to the point where I was like starting to sweat because it's a lot of work. I said, forget it. I'm just going to deal with it. Every step was so painful because I was trying to fit my leg into something smaller than my, excuse me, my leg was at the time. And it literally, it took, um, I made it. I made it down to the car, barely. My husband dropped me off right in front of the restaurant and I got into the restaurant barely. And then I'm like, I really wanted to walk around town. He goes, but how are you feeling? Well, by the time we got done with the restaurant and I walked a few more steps, I started pumping out the fluids. And then by the end, I was, I walked several blocks in, in the town. So again, I didn't even think that I didn't wear it all day. And I exercised without it on that, that evening, it would be hard for me to put it on because I put it on in the morning and I don't take it off until I go to bed. So that was the first time I ever was without it all day and then put it on. So, um, you know, those are factors too. I, you know, and I can't just sit there. I, I just, I had to have enough, um, mind and common sense to sit there and go, okay, what would be causing this? This is massive. I know I didn't gain weight. I know it wasn't this. I didn't eat a lot. I've been exercising. And then I just started thinking about gravity and the pull of fluids and, you know, you start realizing, and those are just things that I think that a lot of people don't realize when you become an amputee or for those of you that see us out walking around, um, you know, a lot of times, I, like I said, I don't see myself as disabled. I don't park in the disabled parking lot every time. But when I do, uh, a lot of times it's because I'm trying to conserve steps because right now, like with my socket today, it's not fitting great. I'm waiting on the new one, which we'll, I'll get next Tuesday, hopefully. And right now it hits hard. Like when it doesn't fit well, that means I'm hitting and pounding the bottom of my socket with every step. And if you do that enough, um, you know, you start really um, starting to feel that pain and it grows. And if you got to go grocery shopping for the family, you surely don't want to park at the other side of the parking lot and walk the parking lot and then go into the grocery store and walk the store. So, you know, there are days where I don't park in parking lots or the parking um, spots right up by the door. And some days I do, just depends on how it feels. And like I said, every day is different. So what to expect when you become an amputee Uh, you need to expect that there's going to be a certain amount of change that happens for the first two years not kidding you at first i thought how hard and active i was i had a lot of change really fast like in the first year i had like probably more sockets than i should have been given Um, but randy and david did a good job of making sure i got what i needed to perform um and I must have gone through five or six sockets in the first year. Now I'm probably on socket 10 in two years. I got my first socket April of 19, um, oh, the end of March, I guess it was. And so I'm like on socket like number 10, I think it is. I've, I lost count. I stopped counting. At first I was like, look, and I'm on socket six. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere up in the double digits now, I think. But you need to know that um, for those of you that have tragically lost your leg, 
you're going to deal with the mental side of it because you went through something traumatic. Um, for those of you that elected, you can prep all you want. I prepped all I could and I leaned on people. I went to my pastor. I prayed a lot and I really just kind of got in touch with my purpose for doing this. And, um, it doesn't matter how much I prep until you live it. You really don't have a clue. And and I'm kind of hoping that if, if I can give you a little bit of an inside insider's view of it, that it, it is my journey. It is my story, but at least you're not going in blind. I was lucky because I was able to do the research and I was able to talk to David and Randy before I even had the surgery. And they warned me, this is just the beginning. It's going to take a couple years for your leg to acclimate and to get a good fit. And even then some things will change or as you get older, we, we gain weight or we lose weight and that makes a difference. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but all I can say is you just got to keep plugging along, right? Um, when I was in the hospital, David actually came in to see me. That's the first step. You should have a prosthetist come to see you and they give you a shrinker, which is basically, I would say it's kind of like compression socks for those people that deal with like, um, blood clots. It's a compression sock for your, um, residual limb and it helps keep down the swelling. And it's actually, for me, it felt like a safety blanket. Like you wear it for the first few weeks. Um, I never wanted to take it off. And then once it was off, I was like, okay, I was better at it. But I'm the kind of person that can go through the surgery, but I hate looking at it. <laughs> so like getting my staples out was traumatic because I knew that my leg was gone, but I hadn't seen the flesh. Um, that's, that's a whole nother ball game to see the actual flesh. Um, you know, you can, you can visualize it kind of, but until you really see your skin and the staples and the fact that there really is no more leg, um, it's weird. Um, did okay with it, but it was a tough one. Anyways, so you go home with the shrinker and you're actually supposed to start some exercises. A lot of you will maybe go and stay at a, a place that will help you maneuver and, and handle crutches, walkers, whatever you're using. Um, you don't want to fall. I've heard so many horror stories of people that have fallen on their residual limb and busted the staples open. That was my biggest fear. Um, because I tend to be, if you can even imagine, I tend to be a little bit more aggressive in my movements and I like to keep moving. So they cut my leg off. And as soon as I was able to, I was off and moving. Like the first day I was out walking the entire floor at the hospital and using the bathroom, like no problem. Um, that being said, I did have one fall. Um, it was St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it was a, it was it was about seven weeks after my surgery, so my staples were out, but I was still pretty tender. And um, let's just say when you start tipping, I actually tripped over my dog. My crutches, I went started going, and my crutches got stuck on her because she was dark brown, and I didn't see her on the carpet. And um, your first instinct is to stick your leg out to catch yourself. Except when you don't have a leg, you're going straight down. And I just popped it. And it was really, really painful. I was really worried that it was gonna set me back on wearing a prosthetic because if you get really bruised, you're not gonna be able to put a prosthetic on. So that does happen. You need to be careful. Take your time, slow down and know that healing is first and foremost. You don't want to rush it and you don't want to put a prosthetic on um, until you're completely feeling good and healed. And it's not going to be perfect, but no, the swelling should be down and you should be, your, your stitching should be completely sealed up and nothing sooner. My doctor actually uh, made me wait an extra week, a week to, to 10 days, I think. Um, over the time he originally said, just because he just wanted to make sure I had one spot that didn't look totally healed and he didn't want to start something. So I didn't want to oblige, but I did. And then you go to go home and then you start the process of fitting for a um, prosthetic. And I'll tell you, there's a whole insurance side that I will talk to you about because that is a tough bugger to get through. And you need to know that ahead of time um, that 
Uh, insurance companies don't want to give up the money. My leg right here, just the electronic portion is about $60,000 according to the insurance company. And so um, that's that's a tough one for them to, to take in, but you got to fight. If you want to live your life and be healthy and happy, you got to fight. But anyways, going back to what to expect. Like I said, the most important thing is the realization that you are not going to have a great fit for a while. You're going to have ups and downs. Your fit's going to feel great one day. Even one hour to the next can be different. That's not uncommon. Um, and if you're active, you're going to find out that the more active you are, the worse it's going to fit by the end of the day. Um, and especially if you're active in the summer when it's warmer. Um, I will also tell you that you cannot get over pains like rubbing certain areas or whatever by giving in, taking it off, and, and letting it heal. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, it's not going to go away unless you like really kind of suck it up. And you got to know your body. There are certain times where you, if you're one that pushes yourself a lot, and you start getting a really bad um, wound, then you probably should stop and take care of it and come out of your leg for a little while, maybe even the rest of the day into the next day. I am the kind of person that has pushed through a lot um, because it, I haven't had infection problems, knock on wood. I don't want any infection problems, but I will tell you that even with unpacking here and a leg that I've had since September, Something was different with my movement, going up and down, out, getting stuff out of boxes on the ground and everything. I rubbed myself raw up in my groin. It was so bad. It was so red. And it was like a section this long, like I would say four inches long around my groin that was pink and raw. And I take a shower and it would burn like nobody's business. Next day, you know, I, I, what I use is aquifer and I put aquifer there and let it set overnight. And the next morning, put my leg back on. If I feel it's rubbing, I use just a little bit of aquifer, not a lot because you don't want it slipping off. And I just rub a little aquifer in the spot so that it glides better versus rubbing raw. Um, you know, it's rubbing raw because there's friction. Your skin's tacky with oils and stuff and dirt. And if you're moving and sweating and, and doing a lot of activity, you're going to get dirt down in there and it's going to rub. So that's how you deal with that. And and you know what? Quite frankly, I had two really bad days. And then all of a sudden I realized it was gone. So I, I couldn't afford to take my leg off um, because we were in the midst of a move and I just wanted to get things done. And I'm not one for sitting around um, ever. So I pushed through. Um, I have yet gotten to a point where pushing through has caused damage and not good. And that that's me though. I can't speak for everyone and you have to know your limits. Um, if you can no longer step, then you need to give yourself a break. Maybe not take it off. Maybe go sit on the couch and put your elevate your leg. Um, you just don't want to get in the habit of giving into your leg so that it wins and your legs in a corner and you decide the wheelchair or sitting around or crutches are the best avenue. Because um, I would love to see everybody out and active and feeling healthy mentally and emotionally and, and physically. And so I would hate for anybody to give in because there's some pain. Pain is a part of the process, unfortunately. And some of it is doable and some you have to know when it's just too much. And then you gear it towards that. You start learning a lot about yourself. If you listen to yourself, what your body is telling you, and you decide and you pick and choose when to listen to your body and when you need to push past what your body's saying, then you'll figure yourself out. And so that just takes time. And, you know, people will ask a lot of questions. I see that on Facebook groups. You know, this is happening. Is this normal? There is no such thing as normal. My journey is different from the next person's journey. The next person's, it doesn't matter if you're above knee, below knee, if you're an arm amputee, fingers, toes, doesn't matter. Everyone has got their own journey. And that's likewise, if you're just just a normal biped, um, you have your ups and downs too. How could you compare your life to your neighbors? 
you know it nobody is the same and how we perceive pain and how we perceive struggles and challenges in life is all an individualistic thing you can ask the questions to get perspective but to assume that because I'm an above amputee and you're an above amputee that we're feeling the same thing is so wrong and if anybody ever gives you definitive advice that's an amputee or someone going through something similar to you you want to take it with a grain of salt because you are not them and they are not you and so I think that's just a good word to the wise I just would hate to see someone do something like this person who said should I do the amputation while I get to live my life better and if someone actually said a um yeah you got to do it I did it and I'm like climbing Mount Everest and I'm rocking marathons they're different than you and I would hate to think that you took your leg off that will never come back because someone said that their journey was amazing but they may have neglected to tell you that on a daily basis at night they can't sleep because the throbbing phantom pains are very prevalent and you know what I will be the first one to tell you that I work out really hard I'm usually much happier in my leg so when I go to bed at night, if I've had a really exhaustive day, I've gone to the gym, I've gone walking, hiking, if I've just done a lot of work around the house, or my leg is feeling funny and I've done that, usually my nighttime isn't so peachy keen and I can struggle with getting the right amount of sleep. And everybody knows with lack of sleep, the more ornery this mama gets. <laughs> so I need my sleep. I don't get a ton. But I would like to have at least when I'm in bed, get the rest of my body's craving. So, you know, if anybody tells you that it's all peachy keen and easy to do, you might want to just think twice about that and get several different opinions and kind of balance it all with your personality. Likewise, there might be someone who says, don't do it. You'll never, ever perform where you want to. You'll never be able to. I had a doctor tell me I'd never walk again. I hike, I bike, I swim, I surf, I ski, um, I walk. Um, I've done some running. Running was never my thing anyways, so it's really challenging now to trust my other leg. Um, but he told me I'd never walk again and told me he would never do the operation because I would never walk again and I was better off the way I was. And I was not mentally, emotionally, or physically healthy at all. I was at my wit's end after, I think, um, seven years of surgeries and excruciating pain and being on pain meds um, and I knew that I was a fighter and I knew about myself better than that and I went and got a couple different opinions so when someone tells you oh no life will be worse you can't you can't believe that either it depends on how bad you want it what your drive is and and the goals you have and that's very important I've said that in past podcasts goal setting will set you up for success no matter what you're dealing with in life. Amputation, um, sickness, um, relationship challenges, job challenges, just the daily grind of life. If you don't set goals for yourself, sometimes it's just hard to get out of bed. So this I called um, Prosthetics 101. And I'm just going to label this as part one because there's a lot I want to delve into and I feel very bad that I kind of went off in tangents. I hope you got some kind of information out of this that helped you. Um, I do want to talk about personalization because someone did reach out to me and say, you use an automotive paint guy? Like, how do you get your leg to look the way you want it to look? And I'll dive into that maybe next week. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more and a part two to Prosthetics 101. If you have any questions, you're more than welcome to send me some DMs. I can address them next week on the podcast. I would love to hear things that you're curious about, whether you're a prosthetist, an amputee, a support person, or just someone who is just curious and you've been listening to my show or you know me and you just are a friend of mine and you're just you have questions I will would love to address them on the podcast because you would not be the only one with that question I guarantee it I get the same kind of questions over and over again and this is a great place to address them now I decided today every day at the end of my podcast every week at the end of my podcast I do a call to action last week I said you should try to be thankful for what you have because in the midst of my turmoil, I realized 
how great my life was. This beautiful new home. I have my own office space here. I have never had this in all the years I've been married. I've been with my husband. We've been married since 95. And this is my first time I've had my own room. So I'm so excited because I can podcast whenever I want with the door shut and it's totally quiet. Uh, My dog's in here. I did have to take her collar off because she tends to shake in the middle of every podcast. And with the collar on, it's really loud. And I hate editing. (laughs) So you get the real and raw footage right here. So last week I said, you know, find five things you're thankful for, something you're grateful for. And, you know, put it on a post-it note and put it like on your mirror in your bathroom. Someplace you'll see it every day so that when you wake up in the morning and we all have those days, maybe it's Mondays, the blahs, where you get up and you're like, ugh, it's Monday. But you go to that mirror, brush your teeth, and you see that. And all of a sudden you realize how super blessed you are and how great life really is. And we forget that in the midst of our own little struggles and big struggles, we tend to forget that um, what we look at is the struggle and we forget everything else. And the struggle is a percentage, small percentage of your life in your day. Look at the big picture. So I hope you did that. I hope you wrote, and I said a big challenge would be to write five things every night that you're grateful for and post those someplace and do that for seven days until we met again. The problem is, is last week, I am so sorry. Last week, I didn't even do a podcast. It was the week before. Thought I hit submit and realized that no one was listening to my podcast. And it's because it did not go on the forums, the formats, the iPod, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I was so mad. So it wasn't until last Tuesday that I actually posted um, Journey Ups and Downs of Life podcast. So I just, since I posted it Tuesday, I'm like, you know what? We're just going to call it this week's. So I apologize. I did miss a week in there, but I didn't feel like I did. So this week, a call to action for you. I'm so excited. I just want you to laugh. One thing I have learned in life is that there is nothing more wonderful and cleansing and euphoric than laughter. So in our house, We don't do reality TV or anything. We watch funny, stupid, funny shows, funny movies. We rerun and rerun things like Step Brothers. Any Will Ferrell movie gets a thumbs up in my family with all boys. I mean, all we do around here is quote Will Ferrell movies and um, all those kind of fun movies. Um, Adam Sandler. That is all we quote around here in conversation. Like our conversations aren't just conversations. They are literally a quote from a movie to get our point across. It's a good thing God gave me boys because I was raised with three big brothers um, in the house. I have a big sister too, but she was gone when I was four, married and moved out. And um, so I was raised with three big brothers that did movie quotes from like Caddyshack and um, good movies like that from the good old days. So I fit right in with this, this crowd of testosterone. But laughing, laughing brings such great joy to our bodies and our emotions. And then that in turn helps us feel complete and um, ready to take charge of a day and, and settle in um, and get a great night's sleep because we've lifted the stressors and the things that have really bogged us down all day, work, or our kids, or issues with relationships, or our health, you know, sometimes we can just focus on that. And I have said a million times that the best thing I can tell you is I feel pain every day. There's phantom sensation, phantom pain every day. It doesn't just go away and I don't feel anything. I always feel my foot. While I'm sitting here talking to you, I feel my foot. Even though it's metal and plastic, I feel my foot. I feel the thing, the toes and they're tingling and everything. And sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's really strong and loud. And the best thing that I have done for me is to distract myself. And a lot of times it literally means working really hard throughout the day to keep myself focused on other things like decorating here and making um, baked goods. I've baked way too much the last two weeks. It's so bad. I'm like, I got to get back to the gym. But then also settling down when I need a break physically, 
I don't like to just sit and think. Sometimes it's hard for me to just sit and read. So I put on a funny movie where we watch the Impractical Jokers on True TV. <laughs> we will watch the reruns of those all the time until the new Thursday night one comes out. But laugh. So my call to action to you is a simple, simple one. Find reasons and be it, surround yourself around the people that make you laugh. If it means going out with a girlfriend and having lunch or coffee or tea, get out and don't talk about your problems. Don't swap problem stories. Just antidotes. Just talk. Have have a great time and and let it let your hair down, so to speak, and just laugh. I I know you will not be disappointed if you just take time to enjoy your life and put aside, even if it's your worst day ever, find something that can make you laugh. And like I said, for me, I easily revolve around funny movies. If I need a good laugh, um, I just, I put on something funny like that and just giggle. And, and the um, endorphins and everything that get released into your body because of laughter and the fact that laughter is so contagious that if I'm laughing, then guess what? I can get my husband to laugh. And I know his days are hard. He works so hard for our family. And he has for so many years that that man deserves to laugh. He doesn't need to come home and hear my pains, my problems, my woes, and the bill for the next leg or whatever. He doesn't need to hear that. He needs to just laugh. So not only is it good for our mental and physical well-being, and our emotional well-being, mental well-being, it is great for the people that are around us. And when our kids see us laughing and realizing that we can move forward from a challenging day, then we are equipping our kids also with the same kind of tools so that when they come home from work and they're adults, they can learn to let it go and realize that work is work and home life is home life and relationships, you know, come and go and laughter brings peace. Laughter brings enjoyment in life and we all need to enjoy our life. So I hope that helped you. I hope you learned something new today. I look forward to next week and hearing what made you laugh. Um, but try to laugh every day this week. I want you to find time to just good old belly laughs. Like if you get to a laughter where your tears are falling because you're laughing so hard, you got to let me know. Those are the best moments ever. And they don't happen often, the tearful laughs. But man, when they do, they're the best moments ever. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and an awesome weekend. And you know what? Until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.